0: For more messages, log on to our website, www.sermentindex.com Now, here's today's program.
1: to hop around a bit here but I've not got my mind in good shape at present. I've been oscillating between two different messages. I was going to switch to the, a different one but I'm going to stay with the older one. I preached it once before in my life only once and uh, you have to preach a sermon twenty times. First of all you have to master the sermon and the sermon has to master you. There's no other way to preach. One of the most fascinating parts of the scripture is that blank between Malachi and Matthew he covers a period of 400 years without any prophetic voice 400 years of darkness without any prophetic light and then suddenly unexpectedly and unwantedly, there's a break at the other side of that 400 years when Malachi finishes his message do you remember what he says he says the Lord whom ye seek do you know why one reason we don't have revival we're not seeking revival we're seeking miracles we're seeking manifestations we're not seeking Christ and he's a very jealous God but you see the Lord comes suddenly I was in a meeting last week I preached to 1500 preachers one night and 1500 the next night and suddenly in the midst of preaching I said if your heart begins to burn with conviction if you're burning with lust if you're burning with a problem and you believe the fire of the Holy Ghost can change it get up and walk and while I was preaching men streamed to the altar they filled the whole altar up and then as we finished, I said, You ladies can pray where you are. You men come. Pastors come. Teachers come. Preachers come. Sunday school teachers come. You've no fire. You've no anointing. And they streamed forward. About 150 filled the altar. The next day it was greater. There were 300 men sought God. It was wall to wall men. You couldn't get, I couldn't get off the platform. I was tired out. But you see, the Lord suddenly came. If we announced the Lord was coming tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock in this church, you'll pack the place out. <coughs> then he comes suddenly does did it say, while shepherds watch their flocks by night, surely? And suddenly there's a sound of the heavenly host. They were waiting, count down. Do you think it was stupid? Those men in the upper room knew the fiftieth day. And they were counting down, this is the 48th, 49th, tomorrow the Holy Ghost will come. And it says, suddenly there was a sound of the heavenly host. Paul and Silas were in prison, and suddenly. I'm looking for God, the Holy Ghost, to come Suddenly. Not any locality, not in any nation, but to fulfill his promise he'll pour out his spirit on all flesh. The world has never nearer been to judgment, and it is now. There are five billion people in the human race. That's too many to fill hell. We're not going to cure the ills of America by politics. Only God can save us. We need an divine intervention. We need God to rend the heavens and come and disturb us and to do that he'll show us our bankruptcy he'll show us that we have to be stripped before he'll us empty before he'll fill us plead our poverty before he make us rich this is a crisis hour not only in America it's a crisis hour in the world one young friend of mine this week has been speaking in the, the greatest hall in the world in China in the people's hall which holds maybe seven thousand people he's speaking there at a banquet, he's a Christian he said I didn't go to America they'll kick me out I'm going as a believer, I'm going to tell them what the answer is after all, there's a billion people in that nation Many are suffering persecution and hardship and great suffering And he has gone there with a burden Because he wants to see God come I'll tell you why I went to that church A few weeks ago I cancelled all my preaching for this year except here and one other place I should have gone to a world conference, I said I'm not coming I should have gone to two state conferences, I said I'm not coming And want not you say that, of course everybody wants you But I've held off so far I went to this conference, not just to preach to 1500 preachers every night but the church is unique in America listen, this is America today, not Finnish day, not Wesley's day there's something happening in that church that does not happen in any other church in America not even John Wimbledon's big church or oh, my friend Charles Stanley at the first Baptist there in Atlanta or the first Baptist got Sir Criswell in, in uh, Dallas I'll tell you why, that church has six small churches they all operate independently during the week They meet together on Sunday morning They meet together Friday night about fourteen or fifteen hundred people They have five pastors One of them has a Fulbright scholarship In England everybody wants the Rhodes Scholarship In America the Fulbright is the highest, you get that? It's open door to millions of dollars Open certainly Well he's left it on one side, he's not going to Oxford for that scholarship He's, going to- he's come to work for eighteen thousand dollars a week uh I me mean, no that's what I get.
0: <coughs> oh I
1: got wrong there. I mean I earn it but I never get it. <laughs>
0: eighteen
1: thousand dollars a year, isn't that something? Another young man, he took a five hundred percent cut in his wage to take a job at eighteen thousand a year. He had a private car with a telephone, he had a daddy who's a multimillionaire, he had an unlimited credit card and he put it all on one side. Frank, that's encouraging, isn't it? God, there are some young men, are gold diggers. You tell the evangelist when he gets to heaven, the streets are gold. They'll be digging the streets up. <coughs> that was
0: terrible. But then
1: there's another man in, a man in Africa heard that there's a church For the five years they've had two hours prayer every morning, two hours prayer every afternoon, two hours prayer every night, plus a night of prayer every week. Well dear God we went down, dear Martha and our son David and I, and the Lord just moved on the place again. So the Saturday night prayer meeting that goes from seven to nine went for eight hours non-stop in intercession and tears. The morning prayer meetings that start at six and finish at eight went through till half past ten in the morning, the nights of prayer. They get 50, 60, 70 people praying the whole night through They're not praying for the material recovery of the economy Of the economy, they're praying for the glory of God You see, our generation, there are not a hundred people in America tonight Have ever seen a Holy Ghost revival i mean, the meeting where you didn't put the lights out The sanctuary is alive 24 hours a day One of the greatest prayer meetings in history Started on the 21st of 21st of August In, let me see, 1727 in Moravia, the Holy Spirit came down just at the clock, went to 11 o'clock. The Spirit descended. You know what happened to that group of people from 11 o'clock that morning for 100 years? A prayer meeting never ended. You could go in prayer meeting at 2 o'clock in the morning and children would be praying with tears. Their finest young men went and stood on the slave blocks down there in in the Caribbean. St. Thomas and... St. Croix and so forth and sold themselves into slavery in order that he might get the gospel out Okay, let me go back a minute here Jesus said of John the Baptist what? there's no no man ever born of woman that was greater than John the Baptist let me tell you how it began it says in Luke chapter 1 and verse 10 the whole multitude of people were praying in at the time of incense isn't that wonderful? They were praying a great prayer meeting in that old temple What happened? There appeared unto an angel of the Lord, verse 11 Standing on the right side of the altar I won't go into the details there But he says in verse 13 Fear not, Zachariah, thy prayer is heard Thy wife, Elizabeth, shall bear thee a son And thou shalt call his name John He shall have joy and gladness And many shall rejoice at his birth He shall be great in the sight of God It says in verse 32, he shall be great and if you recall the son of the highest, oh, that's of Jesus too. But here is a man, He's, what does Zacharias say? Then he quotes it, paraphrase it. He says, look, don't talk like that. My wife's old and stricken, she can't bear children. You've got people in America tell me I'm crazy. I've prayed for the Bible more than 60 years, and I'm more sure than ever now that it's coming. I'm getting old and frail. If you fight the devil, it'll hit you back. I was thinking today when dear Joyce and a precious husband came to see me in the hospital, of was dying. In the last five years, I had three strokes, different strokes, of course, and uh, and two heart attacks. The devil fought back, and it's likely to do that. But you see, revival comes after barrenness. Can you imagine uh, uh, what's his name now? Abraham's wife Sarah. You mentioned her this morning. What was she? Eight ninety. Can you imagine her writing up to a mother and saying, Mother, I'm expecting a baby? She said, What? You're crazy. You should never have married a preacher.
0: <laughs>
1: They're crazy. It's amazing how often God in the Word of God shows us how the impossible is possible, and yet we doubt Him. We're the biggest generation of doubting believers the world's ever had. As dear, and they call it some other (laughs) name that Joyce said this morning we're we're almost arrogant to say we're Christians you see what what happens in meetings usually uh, I pick up Christian magazines I don't buy them they're not worth anything but again and again it says know your Bible take this Bible course take this Bible course take this Bible course on prophecy take this Bible course on the blood listen the great need is not to know the Word of God, the great need is to know the God of the Word. What does Daniel say? Does Daniel say the people that do know their Bible shall be strung into experience? Of course not. The people that do know their God. Why did Jesus come into the world? He said to save sinners, that's what he said. Jesus said, I have come that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Well, anyhow, this, this young man is like, I mean, this man is like others. Uh, Sarah brought forth a beautiful son but you know have you ever discovered this when you try to help God out you get into trouble the Lord says you don't have a son and you quoted did the Lord save him or were you wrong this morning huh? the Lord you to take the woman no no the woman who's the other woman did the Lord turn to take it? <laughs> Come on now cup it up
0: <laughs> If you're wrong confess your sin right here <laughs> Oh well, that's not that's not the King James Version
1: Yeah, but you will know happen. happened? After you listen to Sarah, God never spoke to him again for 15 years.
0: <laughs> One for me.
1: It's, it, you know, N-A-S-B, NASB, that's Greek for nasty. <laughs> because in Hebrews 1, I love that verse in Hebrews 1. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us. These last days, 2,000 years ago. The book of the Revelation, these last days, 2,000 years ago, in God's name. Where are we now? People say it's 10 minutes to 12 on God's clock. It isn't. It's 30 seconds to 12. We're on the edge of the greatest events in history. But then it says in the, in the NASB, well, let me finish that verse when he had by himself purged our sins. You see, there's a propagation. One of the popular preachers, I'll tell you, James Robinson says every day almost on TV in Dallas there, remember we're all to be one, Blunkham. Jesus didn't put his hand on the shoulder of a Pharisee and his hand on the shoulder of a Sadducee and let's all be one. He didn't say that. He uses, uh, he uses John 17:6, But notice what Jesus says there, Father, them which thou hast given to me, They have kept my word. What did Jesus say to the Pharisees? You white sepulchres, you children of the devil? Do you make league with the children of the devil? Of course not. I don't believe I have to accept the Virgin Mary as co-redemptrix. What does it say in Philippians? Paul says, I weep when I think of those. uh, How to use the phrase there? In Philippians 3. They had walked with God anyhow He said They are oh, they are, they are. enemies of the cross of Christ You say that everywhere the Catholics have crucifixes Sure But it doesn't say they're enemies of Christ It says they're enemies of the cross And they said that Mary is colidentric That she too bore the sins of people That's her life from hell She didn't You know the biggest trouble ahead of us Is not we're going to run into collision With a communist We're going to run into collision With the Roman Catholic Church And hell will break loose and as dear sister said today, you better be anchored. If you're not anchored, you'll be shifted around with every wind of doctrine. When they how here comes this wonderful man. Look what it says about John the Baptist, verse 15 of Luke 1. He should be great in the sight of wine, he should drink now wine of Sunday. Listen. Do you hear what it says? It doesn't say this of any other man that ever lived, not even of Jesus. It says John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Ghost from where? From his mother's home. I'm looking at another verse here. Is it verse 23? Oh, maybe it's the next chapter. Anyhow, it says somewhere in that chapter, his pastor, Simeon, was filled with the Holy Ghost. It says in verse 67 And father, his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost And prophesied Now what else? From verse 41 He came to pass Elizabeth, heard the salutation of Mary The babe leaped in a womb And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Isn't that something? His father filled with the Holy Ghost, his mother filled with the Holy Ghost. And when she, like this precious lady, I prayed for your baby this morning when you were snoring. I did not pray for your baby this morning. And when the child was in the body of Elizabeth, immediately Elizabeth came into contact with Mary who had Christ in her. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. The baby in her was filled with the Holy Ghost. You better watch your children. Take care. I'd love to hear E.V. Hill. I've never heard him. I think he's the greatest preacher in America. Dear black man, I'd love, love to hear him. I heard him say something the other week I thought was wonderful. He said, take care of your children. Watch who they marry, he said, with his witticism of Solomon. He said, remember, you don't get race out of mules. Isn't that good? Be careful who they marry. You all look very sad when I said that. So he's stood with the Holy Ghost. Well, verse 25 says, Bill, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The last time I, the first time I came here, uh, Joyce, uh, Rick was preaching. And Martha and I were sitting on one side and Rick and came over and he'd never seen me in his life. He said, you're Simeon. I said, I'm what? He said, you're Simeon. You've prayed for more than half a century for prayer. You're going to live until a baby's born. I saw a man up in... Uh, where were we, days? Oh, yes, three. My secretary, she's great. The only thing she can't drive. People ask me, do wife drive? I say, no, that's why we're here.
0: <laughs> Boy, one of the
1: happiest days in her life was when they restored the speed limit. She said, we can go 65 now. But four different people have said to me in the last year You're Simeon, none of them knew that the other had said it You're going to live to see the coming of the baby The baby being revival There are people praying all over America Young men are calling me all over the nation They're getting up at six in the morning Praying two and three hours for the Holy Ghost revival Oh people say, Brother Angel, you know Our churches are filled every Sunday morning Sure, for an hour Our jails are filled 24 hours a day and the voice gets fulfilled. Boy, if they reverse that wade raw order, America will be a butcher's shop next year and the judgment of God will be accelerated. You can't live in a country with six hundred million Bibles and don't break every commandment you preached about this morning. You can't do it. God said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. You see, family. Jesus says, did you go out in the wilderness to see a reed shaken by the wind? No, you went to see a sturdy man. He said he's not a prophet. He's more than the prophet. Why? The prophets are the most exclusive men who ever lived. Let me tell you what an old Jewish Christian said in America years ago. He's a brilliant Hebrew scholar. And he says that the prophet, by the very nature of his calling, is a tragic figure. He suffers for the people, he suffers with the people, he suffers by the people. And he's a tragic figure because of a fierce loyalty to God. And he has a great compassion for a rebellious, blind, stupid people are heading for judgment. When God is angry with a nation, she has no prophet. She's not a prophet in America. The biggest enemy to revive in America is evangelism. Spurious, cheap evangelism that brings people to the front and it lets them go unsaved. They're not born again of the Spirit of God. They make a decision and there's nothing. My darling wife and I were in a meeting. A lady came to the front. She came in a meeting late and she kind of wobbled down the aisle she was a bit overweight and she had a great big mop of hair bottom <laughs> but uh, I thought well lady if God gets hold of you you'll be in the mess tonight surely enough at the end I preached and he must have gone again she came to the altar I said to the men all you men go in that room you women come in this room so I went with the men and out after the altar call was given the pastor came and he said help me with this woman I said you stand. I will I won't stay with women alone in the room so she burst into tears and she said, Mr. Raymond, I want to tell you something. This is the 14th time I've come to an altar to be saved. And suddenly puts her arm around me and says, Don't weep, dearie. Jesus paid it all. You have nothing to do. Just believe it. he died and rose again. She said, Nothing happened. Paul flings in the face of the world, the flesh, and the devil if any man be Christ. Does he know what he's talking about? Sure he does. He wrote Romans 7. He had the greatest. Picture of depravity the, the world's ever known. And he says you can be twisted and perverted and damned. But Jesus Christ, you may be incurable to everybody else, but he's able to save to the uttermost all who come unto God by him. And if any man be in Christ, he doesn't just get his lousy sins forgiven, he's a new creation. He has a new heart. He has a new mind. He has new language. He has new interests. All things are passed away. You see, we accommodate sin today. I preach with a very brilliant... A uh, preacher, a national broadcaster some years ago in a certain university, and as he finished, the young people all dashed up and said, Find my Bible, sign my autograph. Others had cameras. I pulled his torch, Taylor said, Sir, I don't need your autograph. or your a photograph. I said, I'm not, I'm not a, I am not do not I don't idolize men. I said, I, I followed you very interested tonight. I said, Look at the crowd. There were a thousand college kids going out. <coughs> I said to him, uh, Your message was interesting, but you left a big loophole. I said, all the time you talked about sin I was talking about a woman that came to Jesus a very bad woman and Jesus said to her, go and sin less He said, what? I said, that's what you made out You can sin and repent and sin, you don't We've never in this life been a place where we're not able to sin but by grace we come in a place where we're able not to sin but dear... Joyce said this morning, you've got the possibility of being the, the rottenest harlot that America's ever seen, and a rottenest criminal, but God has come and intervened in your life, and he's taken away your appetite for sin, you don't want it anymore, you loathe the things you used to love, you hate them, you turn your back on them. If any man is in Christ, he does not commit sin habitually. If he commits sin, it's by accident, but he gets up and he runs to the cross, and asks for tensing, and gets quickened again by the Spirit of God. But dear Lord, I don't think John was very fair. Can I take my coat off, you mind? My son wouldn't ask you, he just saw his coat off. I'm coming apart. <laughs> got this in my pocket. Dear, dear. You got me into this, Joyce. But listen, have you, ever, have, you ever, have, you ever, have you ever thought about the situation John is in? You see, Christianity was not born in a vacuum. Christianity has not been weighed in the balances and found wanting. thing. It's been tried, found difficult and rejected. The Lord doesn't want your lousy sins. What do you think he does? them in heaven? He wants you. He wants your personality. And dear David used an illustration of seeing a car in New Zealand, a beautiful antique car on the side of the road. And the fellow says, I'll sell it for so much, he takes it home, gets the dirt off the outside, goes inside, takes out the seats, put in a vacuum, gets a stack of dust this height, calls his wife and says, Darling, look what we've got on the kitchen table. That stack of muck. He said, I got it for $4,000. You what? $4,000? He said, I had to take that to get the car. The Lord has to take your lousy, rotten, twisted, perverted, sin and rebellion to get you. He doesn't want your sin. He wants your personality. Just as you've been abandoned to the devil, you've given your body, your soul and spirit abandoning yourself to Christ. If we did that, we'd shake the world. You've got lost the hook from condemnation and guilt and you've played around ever since, God help you. Do you know where the biggest prayer meetings in the world are today? You won't like this, but wait a minute, swallow it. It's true. This friend of mine who spoke in the Grand Hall in, uh, in China this week, he went to the the kings of Saudi Arabia he went and spoke to uh, Dan what's his, what's the guy in Guatemala? Ortega face to face and Ortega said Mr. come here Mr. America look he took him in a room and the wall was dark and there were about, he said about a hundred names and nearly half of them were crossed out and Ortega said Mr. America look there you see those names every one of them is a personal friend of mine and he choked up he said young listen Mr. America the names of the cross to all those men have died for this country. And he says, you will never win, a, you, you Christians will never win Central America for Christ because you're afraid to die for him. He grew a beard because you cannot go into a mosque unless you have a beard. It's a sign, number one, that you mature. Number two, it's your pledge to Allah that you'll die for him. And every mosque in the world is filled every morning. Do you know what happened in Saudi Arabia? The attendance at the six o'clock mass, as the Catholics would say, the six o'clock prayer meeting in the mosque, it took an old guy, And the government had an inquiry about it. Dear God, what does our country, our Washington boys care about it? The government said, why are the mosques? Hundreds of men are not coming. And they investigated this, and they we found out. The reason? Because American TV comes in at six o'clock with all in wrestling. We've never seen it. Take the damn little thing away. They booted it all out. And once they did that the promethe got back to power. You call them terrorists. They're not terrorists. They're evangelists. they touch the powers of the world to come. It's a strange power. It's a satanic power. There isn't one man of all the millions of Mohammedans in the world that wouldn't die tonight. God died for Christ. We will not even live for him. You think you're going to heaven because you give God a tithe? Forget it. You can't give God a tithe your time, he doesn't your money. He said the time you should give God a tenth of every day, you give him two hours and twenty four minutes. Dear God, if you're in love, that's not long to be with somebody you love, two hours and twenty four minutes. That's the legal thing. Then you give him laughing on top of that. You see our young people haven't seen role models. I better rush on here a minute. What does it say about this fellow here? Okay, we're in chapter 1 still. Verse 74, one of Luke, he said, Verse 74, that he will grant us that being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, we might serve him without fear. How? In holiness and righteousness. Righteousness is my relationship with the world, holiness is my relationship with God. Don't blame the devil because your prayers aren't answered. It's your problem. You've got a problem in your house. It's a lousy, stinking thing, it'll kill you and you'll kill and you'll love it. I'll tell you what it's called, it's called TV. You can call it terribly vicious, or terribly vulgar, or terribly anything else. But listen, don't you ask God to help you pull down the house. pull them down yourself. I have a friend and he was, I forget what country he was in, he some big monstrous mm-hmm. bees, you know, that sting and really make you sick. And he was in bed, and this thing buzzing around, his said, Oh Lord, he said, send somebody to kill that thing. And it came past him and he's <laughs> and fighting, he's half asleep, fighting. <laughs> Go. And he saw it, it hit toward the light. And he thought he got uh, burned or something. And it went round again. He said, Lord, kill the thing. And it suddenly hit the light above him and fell on his lap, dead, and he said, God take kill it yourself. You say, Help me with my T V Kill the thing. Throw it out Like uh, like woundy did. Moody came to England he couldn't even speak English like you. (laughs) But I'm glad why they don't speak it you understand it anyhow. (laughs) It's a bit of a help. Well they laughed at Moody didn't you know why? He said Daniel in one syllable Daniel he said uh, Jerusalem in one slurring word Jerusalem do you know what happened? He said He stayed six weeks in London and the whole city was shaken. What happened? He preached an hour and somebody sang ten minutes. Now you go to a gospel concert, they sing sixty minutes and preach ten. Forget it. He went to Scotland. The greatest preacher of the day was Alexander White. The next greatest preacher was Henry Drummond. He wrote that wonderful book many of you read The Greatest Lee in the World. And they sat spellbound listening to another Yankee that couldn't speak English. Why? there's a mystery about preaching it's not burning eloquence and of shabby tears preaching is not a profession it's a passion it's not a passion it's an obsession I would rather preach than do anything in God's earth it doesn't pay well except today (coughs) there's a bucket at the door no I'm cheating about that but uh You know, one of the greatest preachers in in the history of the world was John Owen How many preachers, let me see your hands, preachers and teachers How many of you read John Owen ever? Good He was a wonderful theologian And uh, he was vice-chancellor of Oxford University He knew his Hebrew and Greek and I don't know how many other languages And every parliament that assembled, the King of England Who I believe at that time was Charles I, no Charles II He always called Dr. Owen We've got celebrities from all over the world preach a great sermon tonight in the cathedral. And people go and say, Owen's preaching, you can't get in, it's it's stacked up. You can't sit on the floor, you can't get in by the wall. Owen's preaching. The king one day called Owen, Dr. Owen, come immediately. And Dr. Owen went and he said, uh, in his archaic English, the king said, Where hast thou been? I hear that thou art listening to a babbling Baptist down the road. By the name of John Bunyan. He's a tinker. He's never been ordained. He had. He went to the same school as as, uh, Milt. John 15. There's only one ordination. It's the ordination of the Holy Ghost. And here is a man who makes little kettles and bits of stuff during the day. Preaching and crowds are mobbing him. And here's this man. he says to the king, your majesty, if I could preach like that bubbling Baptist, I will take up my robes and lay them at his feet. He has something I don't have. A diploma won't give you unction, a degree won't give you unction. You can't bite. You bite with grief. You bite with your bankruptcy. Dear God, I've preached 66 years all over the world. And I tell God every time I come, I don't know anything, I'm weak. I have no strength, I have no confidence. My knees don't knock like they used to do, uh, in the sense of physically being nervous, but I tremble at his word. I'm going to be judged at a judgment seat one day By what? Your opinion? Forget it! By this word! Every word he I've faced in this word is going to face me at the judgment seat That's going to be an awful thing Maybe sometime I'll come and I'll preach to you online, it'll take three hours To preach on a judgment for preachers, a judgment for sinners, a judgment for believers Yes, everybody loves gentle Jesus, meek and mild Charles Wesley wrote three th- six thousand three hundred hymns and his most popular hymn is gentle Jesus meek and mild but also he wrote the hymn lo he comes with clouds descending once for favoured sinners slain every eye shall then behold him listen clothed in dreadful majesty when he came the first time men pushed him around when he comes the next time he'll push men around read the second epistle to the Thessalonians chapter one he's coming with awesome majesty he's not stealing through the world through the womb of a woman he's coming with ten thousand saints maybe Milt will be leading the gang that's the only reason I'd like to die quick you know the dead in Christ rise first that's so the dead in Christ are the Baptists, anyhow
0: <coughs> the dead in Christ rise first no Baptists here all Christians <coughs>
1: Let me tell you the atmosphere into which man came. Now in chapter 3 verse 1 In the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar I, After all remember this was Julius Caesar, Caligula The best known was Julius Caesar. Tiberius Caesar was the most licentious He propagated everything that was vile. He financially by state money supported everything he modeled And this man is on the throne. Now look at the rest of the chapter Pontius Pilate was the governor of Judea Herod being the tetrarch of Galilee his brother Philip the tetrarch of Ituria in the region of Trachonitis and Lysanias the tetrarch of Abilene Annas and Christ that's about as refreshing as a mouthful of sand, isn't it but look at this Annas and the high priest you've not only got the Roman powers Annas and the high priest and, and it's illegal to have two high priests so he comes on the stage Where does he come? He he doesn't come down Main Street. He's in the wilderness. The most difficult place in the world. When God wanted to lead Israel out of bondage, he had Moses lead them and then were led by what you mentioned this morning? A pillar of fire. If God had put that pillar of fire in the wilderness, everybody would have flocked. He didn't put a pillar of fire there. He did more. He put a man on fire. This man from his infancy is baptized with the Holy Ghost. You people with the street bumper stickers helping people go to hell. You've got on one side of your card. you what they put on it? Uh, God loves you. Put on the other side. God is angry with the wicked every day. Forget your sloppy Christianity. Love is stronger than death. Our God is a consuming fire. There's no fire more terrible than the fire of love. And this man is absolutely inundated. He has no advantages. Dear God. He comes into the wilderness. There's no uh, transport system to get people there. There's no hot dogs or anything you buy. There's no water following the people so they can drink. He's totally helpless. He has no disciples. He has no pillar of fire. He has no priests. He has no altar. He has no Bible. I can read on my knees, which I do mostly, I can read the 23rd, uh, no, the 11th chapter of Hebrews. I could read that chapter, and every time I read it, oh, I've been slain in the spirit, I'm on the dust. What do you do? With a bunch of people subdued, kingdom, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the knives of lions, women received their dead grace to life again. I read it, and the Lord said, Read again. I read it, and the Lord said, Read again. And then as I read it, and he said, The voice said, And not one of them ever had a Bible. What are you going to do? You've the whole revelation of God. What are we going to do? Sure, I'm staggered when I read it. But what do I do when I come to that verse that says, "Some of them not accepting deliverance"? They said, "If it please God, if we stay in jail ten more years, we'll stay." You get into trouble. You have a trial. You get on the telephone. You call your relative. Oh, I'm having a rough time. Pray for me. People say, "Pray, God, will take this off, forget it." God put it on you. What did the fire do for the three Hebrew children? They heated it seven times more, they tried to starve them to death and they were fairer and fatter on a rotten diet than the others were But what happened? When they threw them into the fire, they tied their wrists and tied their feet What happened? The fire burned off the fetters the world put on them And sometimes God has to let circumstances break our fetters, burn our fetters off Surely our sister said this morning, maybe you'd like a better husband or something I was going to tease her until I was, talking with, I was talking with Joyce's husband this afternoon You say what? Well, you talk to the dead now I just preach to them What do you mean you talk to her husband? Well, because it says in Isaiah that the Lord is your husband That's why she's preaching so well these days She's got a quickening from God, I rejoice in it Joyce And you're going to get more, so cheer up let me just prove the point to you here do you know the difference between revival and evangelism in evangelism you have to stir people emotionally and sing a song you know like there's room at the cross for you forget it I will never sing that I never never have choruses when I make an appeal I saw a hundred of men hit the deck do you know what they did the second day they were side by side doctors all kinds of intellectual people and they were saying this help 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 you think they were drowning, or in a fire But conviction does that, conviction of sin The least work of the Holy Ghost that centralised today is conviction of sin Boy, dear God, we accept to plow the fields, sow the seed and reap the harvest in half an hour You don't get that in Revival Sure, the young man, I've been in Wales, I've met people who knew Evan Roberts Evan Roberts had Revival, he was 26 years of age, but wait a minute At 26 years of age he had already prayed 13 years for Revival when others played ball, when others went visiting, it didn't bother him a hoot. He was determined to get the prize that God had put before him. It didn't cost a million dollars. You can have Robinson and, Will and, uh, and uh, Billy Graham and those guys spend a million dollars a crusade. Revival doesn't cost anything. He had broken hearts. He get to a place I can't live. The reason we don't have revival in America is we're content to live without it. So when you have children going to hell you, when do you shed a tear over them? My dear wife says to me, some learned you get too much burn, you, get, you stay too so long, I can't. Have you noticed it doesn't say Jesus was a man of tears? It says he was a man of sorrows. Surely he was a man of tears, he prayed with strong crying and with tears. But you can pray tears occasionally, sorrow is something you have, I like like this precious lady. It's not convenient at times to have that little bowls you have. You've got to carry with it six more weeks. Blessings. I hope it's not longer. But you know, it's the same with the revival. You can't live until something's born. Christianity is life. Right. It's not theology. What did Jesus say? I'm coming that he might have life. What is St. John's epistle? He that hath the Son hath what? Life. life. I don't care how big a man's head is, how big his fortune is. If he isn't born of God, he's dead. Ruskin, a hundred, and, a hundred years ago in England, said that preaching, I thought he was facetious. I chewed it over for 50 years and I found it wasn't. He said, preaching is 50 minutes to raise the dead. I thought that was a joke. I'm in a big church, no longer over a thousand people. I said, every role there is death role. You're dead in trespassing and in sin. You may wear a hundred dollar suit or a thousand dollar suit, have a $5,000 ring, but you're dead. Alive mentally, alive socially, alive emotionally, alive physically, but dead. You know, live living communion with God. That's why you wonder why we clap and get happy sometimes. Because we're alive. We were dead in trespasses and in sin. We weren't just bad, we were dead. There are lots of people in the world are better than Christians. I know some people have more integrity and more honesty than Christians, and yet they're dead. They have high idealism. They were brought up with daddies and mummies that believe in the old virtues that America used to believe in. Anyhow, John Baptist comes to this situation. Again listen, there's no pillar of fire There's no dove upon his head He has no altars, he has no sacrifice He has no financial backing Dear God, what's he going to do? Isn't it terrible when you've only done? <laughs> you hardly believe this you know he didn't even have a newsletter?
0: <laughs>
1: Nobody raised funds for him He was evangelist No, he's a revivalist Evangelists raise funds, revivalists raise hell You go to a meeting when there's a breath of revival and you won't sleep. Some of you won't sleep tonight, I'll be driving home. Somebody else will drive us, but anyhow. I'll be praying all the way, some of you won't sleep. You're better to have one sleepless night here than a million in hell. You're better to get a burden for your children who may be lusting and lying and cheating right now, or mucking around with drugs. You're better to get down to business now. Do you know what the penalties of hell will be? The man in hell could see into the bosom of Abraham. That lost daughter of yours, that lost son of yours in hell will see you at the marriage supper of the Lamb and say, that's my daddy. He gave permissions and he went to church and he helped to take the offering and he did a lot of nice things. But he never once said to me, darling, what were you doing last night for an hour or two? You came in at one o'clock, that's a rotten time to come. You ever check on me children? I stayed in a home, the woman never knew where her daughter was, she knew where her cat was. She'd say to the maid, the maid was always dressed up, you know, with a little thing on her head and... She'd say, well, dear Margaret, where is the cat? Lock the door. Don't let her. dead cat. It's a thoroughbred pedigree. She'd give him $200 for a cat. I won't give you 200 for all the cats in America. <laughs> but she knew. You love dogs. But she knew where the cat was. She didn't know where the daughter was. I'd had two tragedies last week. Two of the most charming girls I could ever imagine. They both got pregnant. One's 14 and the other's 18. One of them, the daddy's a multi-millionaire. He's got everything. She's got everything. He had time for business. He's time to read, take the, what do you call it, New York Times and read the stocks and shares every day and his daughter's going to hell fire. What will he do now? His family name is in the gutter. His wife paralyzed with fear. Our beautiful daughter, he bought her the richest clothes. We bought her the best of everything, and here she is now, as long as she lives. you know what she did? She had a baby and she murdered it. So the parents had double agony. The poor girl panicked. They say their mother never suspected that she had, she was in nine months of pregnancy, I don't know in the world she did that. But anyhow that's what's happened. But you know what? I live in, I live in Smith County. At Tyler's in Smith County. There are twenty-one ministries round about us and you know Smith County has the highest rate of fourteen-year-old pregnant girls in America. How does the devil set up business in the middle of meeting houses? Churches that profess to be filled with the Holy Ghost? The devil laughs at us. He doesn't laugh when there's a Holy Ghost revival. There's panic in hell. I love that phrase. Where some preachers are trying to drive demons out of what the sons of Steva Stephen trying to drive demons out of a man demon possessed and the devils have some respect. You know what they said they said the greatest thing ever said of God, I wish it was told me. The demons wanted to stay and hold that person captive and they looked up at there isn't half deformed man who had been stoned and his body broken and they said, Jesus we know and Paul we know. Isn't that something? To be known in hell? There's not one preacher in 500 five hundred in five thousand America wants to be known in hell. They want to be known as the best preacher in their denomination. They want more money to hell with it. <laughs> okay, but in chapter three now, verse six, I'm gonna shut it down a bit in soon, a couple of hours anyhow. In verse 3 of uh, chapter 3 it says Annascaphus, no let me get to verse 3 He came into all the country about Jordan preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins as it is written in the words of Isaiah the prophet saying The voice of one crying in the wilderness prepare ye the way of the Lord Isn't it amazing? Do you know who the loneliest men in the world prophets? God didn't say to Elijah go to that other great brilliant preacher that you have by the name of Elisha and pray with him He says go in a cave by yourself I think you emphasized this morning. God said, I have called Abraham alone. He said, I have called Moses alone. Don't offer to be, don't offer to be a prophet. It's a lonely business. It's a lonely long business. If you really love somebody, you unburden them. And if God loves you and you get very intimate with God, he'll pour his burden on you. You say, my yoke is easy. Or you say, cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain. Who does he cast his burden on? He doesn't need to. He's omnipotent and he does. The prophets in the Old Testament when they saw the sin of their nation and God it was a fraction like our sin Turn the sanctuary. We'll have the biggest dilemma we've ever had in history It'll be worse than the bubonic plague, the way that AIDS is going And now this new disease has come up which is worse than AIDS And it's travelling more quickly And this new disease has come on What do you call it, VHP or something? Which, which is only transmitted by sexual contact But it's more tragic and terrible than any other disease we've got that plus the fact we've got the outrageous crime what do you call it? Plague in our history I've heard a bunch of prophets last week they told them I said don't ever call me a prophet I'm not a prophet I, I speak with prophetic urgency prophetic anxiety my nation's gonna hell this world's gonna hell who's gonna stop it? Nobody you can't legislate righteousness Dear God, those guys in Washington can't live straight themselves. How can they tell anybody else what to do? And dear God, we're not much better in the pulpit. People sneer now. Look at Jimmy Swaggart. look at PTL. So what? Let me tell you something very deeply. I never like to say that, it's as though you're not listening. Do you know what? If you get if you're a true Christian and filled with the Holy Spirit, it's very difficult to sin. Swaggart says he battled with pornography for three years after light from hell he didn't. He's telling me that the Holy Ghost didn't convict him. He's telling me you fought the Holy Ghost and won. You resist the Holy Ghost. You grieve the Holy Ghost. You resist the Holy Ghost. And then what you? Quench the Holy Ghost. I know three men. I had a man came in a gorgeous three-piece sword in my office. Began to tell me he's burning with lust. I said, well, what's your problem? Are you married? Oh, yes. I've had two wives and I, they got tired of sex. And I now have another woman. I'm into. I said, brother, you need to go. He said, i ask God to help me. I said, he won't. Go to the cross. Take it to the cross. Nail the damn little thing down. Don't say, help me, I'm weak. Say, i I almost preached tonight. I'll preach some other time. If God says, we come back. On Isaiah 6. What did Isaiah say when he saw the holiness of God? He said, what? I'm behind in my tithing. I'm behind in my prayers. No, he said, where well, is me? I'm undone. I'm unclean. And he's a major prophet. You see, when the Holy Ghost comes and starts up, up digging up your life, I don't know why I thought of this but this afternoon as I was meditating I thought of the time I preached at that great Methodist church in Dublin they have a saying there Dublin's fair city where the girls are pretty my precious wife comes from South Island and uh, I preached that night on the 51st Psalm and God was present I could tell you a of celebrities that were there but I don't, bother, I don't name drop <laughs> so uh, anyhow three years afterwards I went to a conference in Northern Ireland and a man said to me do you remember me? I said no I don't he said do you remember preaching on Psalm 51 in, in the great Methodist church in, in Ireland you know in the, I forgot the street in Dublin I said sure he said, my, I said my wife and I we're good Methodists we tie, we take communion, we help, we give permission we do everything we can do but Mr. we're not saved He said we got home past midnight and he said we had a cup of tea and biscuits as we say I said went to bed and my wife sat on one side of the bed I sat on the other and we sat there for an hour and uh, he said, I said to my wife, uh, why don't you go to sleep? And sweetly, you know, like wives do, she should get to sleep yourself. And he said, I can't, why can't you? Well, that fellow upset me tonight. When he was speaking, he a uh, God, touch my mind, a trap door open. I saw all my sins, sins of youth, sins of manhood, sins of the flesh, sins of the spirit. They marched round the bedroom like an army. And he said, I got terrified. And he said, after an hour and a half, My wife got down to the side of the bed, she got up laughing and rejoicing, why? I'm born again, I'm saved, I have the witness of the Spirit God now doesn't condemn me, He's cleansed me and lifted me, and He's living in me Boy, he said, that made me angry, she got into bed (laughs)
0: Left
1: me to get rid of my load of sins And I'm walking around the room tormented, she's ignoring, she's dreaming fairy tales and he said here I am going round and finally he said it suddenly hit me right there he remembered that Martin Luther one day he was in prison where at Wittenberg and he said the devil got a record and he said he he wrote all my sins on the the wall and he wrote them on the other wall and he wrote them on the other wall and he wrote them on the ceiling and he said go on Satan keep going keep writing the sins and he said Satan said there's nothing else to write he said there is, he said there isn't he said there is he said your record is here every sin you've ever committed since you were a child, it's on record on the walls. There's nothing else to record. He said, there is. What shall I put on? He says, right over all of them, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleansed us from all sin. If you had a hundred pounds weight on your back and somebody took it off, do you think you'd know? If you were in debt for fifty thousand dollars and somebody gave you fifty thousand, another fifty to spend, would you know? Well, sin is a burden. Sin is a disease. Sin is rebellion against God. When the fire goes out, and the fire of the Holy Ghost comes in it's a total transformation Amen. let me rush through this so here this man's preaching his heart look what it says in verse 7 it says the multitude came to be baptized and this is nice language isn't it it says oh you generation of vipers!" that's my, like me going west, in Westminster Abbey and say, you swine you need to be saved what do you think they do vote me the best man of the year not on your life but listen while he's pouring this you see, this man is on fire. I used to say he has a tongue like the tail of a scorpion. I'll tell you what he had. He had a heart and a tongue like a laser beam. Every time he spoke, he left blisters on people's souls and minds. He dug up their past. They saw every damnable thing that was hindering them from coming to God. Then he says, verse 9, the axe is laid to the root of the tree. Every tree, therefore, which bringeth not forth fruit is you for... Listen, you notice this now, keep hold of this. This is the crowd. It says, here in verse 10, the people asked him, what shall we do? Verse 12, the publicans came and said, what shall we do? Verse 14, the soldiers who came from a heathen country listened to him and they said, what shall we do? You see, you don't make an altar call, people get so convicted. When you realize you've got death in you, you may be a good Methodist, a good Baptist or something, you've never been born. How often do you talk to the lover that you love, Jesus, lover of my soul? Do you talk for him? Do you worship him? Do you adore him? Of course not, because you're not alive. Can we quote one thing here and pass on? You see, this, this measure of salvation is not for bums and cripples, moral cripples, and the uh, folk that fill the prostitution places, and read Playboy more than the Bible. It's for, belie- it's for very fine fellows. Here's two of them, the greatest men in England. The most famous brothers made in England, John Wesley and Charles Wesley. And Charles Wesley was born again of the Spirit of God. How? His mother, his godly mother, came a copy of a book called The Life of God in the Soul of Man. Dear God, these men go up to pray at four o'clock in the morning, weren't even saved. They spent all night singing psalms. They were so anxious to find God. In one of his greatest hymns, Can it be that I should gain an interest in the Saviour's blood? He says in the second verse this is, a, this is a gentleman, a scholar a man of impeccable morality you can find a thing wrong with his life he gave arms to the poor he built homes for the poor he did every blessed thing he could to prove his love for humanity and then he wrote this verse long my imprisoned spirit lay fast bound in sin and nature's night thine eye diffused the quickening way I woke the dungeon flame with light my chains fell off if a man's chain, does he know when the chains go off? His chains had gone. He'd been imprisoned in what? Legality. Doing good works. Taking communion. Beating his body by fasting. And yet he never found the living Christ. But when he found him, did what he wrote later? All for a trumpet voice on all the world to call. But he wrote, before he wrote that, he wrote this My heart is full of Christ. Listen, not my head is full of theology. My heart is full of Christ and longs this glorious message to declare. No wonder he could say honestly before God Thou O Christ art all I want Is that true of you? Or do you want Christ plus something else? I'll tell you what Christianity is Christianity is Christ plus nothing He doesn't have to do wonderful things for me He snatched me from hell My body, soul and spirit belongs to him He gave his all for me I give my all to him Okay we have got to rush on here a minute Do you mind? Let's go to the second chapter Where do we want to be now? Let's go St. Catherine's John. I think it's there I want to be. the <coughs> Malachi said there's somebody coming and who shall abide the day of his coming. Do you know the most dangerous place in the world is to be in a church where the Holy Ghost is in residence. You feel your uncleanness. You feel I'm vile. Like you wonder why God hasn't taken you off years ago. you rebelled against Him. you vowed and you broke new vows. you made commitments and commitments and never kept them. And then you suddenly realize what a merciful God He is.
0: Our prayer is that you've been blessed and encouraged by this sermon. To download full sermons, go to our website, www.sermonindex.com. You can contact us through the website, And please share a testimony of how this sermon has ministered to you.